In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... I really want to lose three pounds. Yeah, no, don't put me down for cardio. Diet starts tomorrow. Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. I want to quit the gym. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. With hosts Aileen Cooperman... Joey does a shampoo! ...and Sammy Fishbein. Whatever, I'm getting cheese fries. Hello and welcome to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm Sammy. I'm Aileen. And today we have a super exciting guest who a lot of you already know and love. Her name is Chrissy King, and she's a fitness coach, writer, speaker, creator of the Body Liberation Project, just to name a few. Welcome, Chrissy. Hi. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat with y'all today. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Us too. We're excited. I was just, we were just saying before the podcast how I slid into your DMs the other day to ask if I could repost something amazing that you posted about just like, you know, people are freaking out about going outside in their bikini bodies. And it was just such an amazing because I was freaking out in that same moment. And then I saw it and I was like, oh, I can relax. And yeah, so thanks so much for sharing oh, that. I'm so happy you enjoyed it. And I love when people slide in my DMs. So that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. More I feel often. like this is a good, this is the podcast that I need to be recording right before being in a bikini this weekend for July 4th. Absolutely. Yes. It, I can already it. feel the stress of having to <laughs> pick out outfits coming, coming on. But yeah, we're so excited to have you. We want to talk about um, a few different topics, which actually kind of intersect, and that is anti-racism and diet culture. Yeah. Um, I think that something I've just been thinking about is that since kind of like my eyes have been open to both of these things, which honestly has occurred in the past, like over the course of like the past year or like two years um, in a, a really significant way, um, I would say. And these two things have so much in common with them, racism and diet culture. And so, yeah, I mean, we would love to just kind of like hear, you know, what you're about, which is, you know, these, these things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're very right in that there's so much intersection between racism and diet culture. Um, and the overarching theme for all of those things is white supremacy and how this plays into everything that we do. And, you know, when we think about, white supremacy and how it's har it's harmful to everyone, right? So when we think about that in terms of bodies, so much of the way that we think about our bodies, so much of the way that we're programmed to feel about our bodies, um, that affects everyone no matter what your race is, right? People okay. from all different backgrounds, when it, we start talking about how we feel about our bodies and how we feel about what we wear and how we feel about what we think is wrong with us or how we're supposed to look, all of that is rooted in a system that's created to keep us small. Um, and so there's so many intersections. And um, when, I, when I think about um, body liberation and liberation in general, right? I think liberation is so uniquely tied to so many different areas of our lives. And and for me, in my own personal journey, um, when I was really focused on my body and when I was really feeling um, insecure and when I was really hyper-focused on dieting and over-exercising, I couldn't think about anything else, right? I didn't have the 
the energy or the space to try to create anything else in my life. It was all consuming. And so when I, when I talk about body liberation for people, it's yes, so that you can feel better about yourself and that you can feel comfortable in your skin because we get one life and like this body is just like, it's just a thing that allows us to exist in the world. But once that is done and we free ourselves about that, we have all this energy and the space to create magic in the world, right? And we have space to talk about other things that are wrong and oppression that's happening and how we can be a bigger part of impact and change when we can get past just ourselves and what we're dealing with personally. Um, and so it took me a long time to get to that place where I was like, oh, there's more to life than worrying about what I look like. And also there is no right or wrong way to look. And my ideas about this are all things that I've learned from living in the society. So how did, how did that journey happen for you? Like what were some major moments in that experience? Like what kind of ha- let you shit make that shift for real? Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I got into fitness um, as an adult and I joined the gym for a lot of the same reasons that a lot of people do. I was just like, I want to lose weight. I want to be skinny. I told my trainer on the first day, like, I don't care about anything, just make me skinny. And that was like the only motivating factor I had. For, I didn't even like going to the gym. Like I didn't want to be there. Right. <laughs> and, um, but what happened along the way is I started strength training and I found a lot of um, like strength training was just really transformative for me. I ended up getting into powerlifting and competing at really high levels and getting really, really strong. And that is something something I never experienced. I was always like a weakling in my family. And I was like, oh, it's okay being weakling. It doesn't matter. Like that's just who I am. And then I realized like strength is a skill just like any other skill. And I can learn to be strong physically. And the strength that I gained in the gym really transferred into every area of my life and gave me strength outside of the gym. So I was like, wow, this is actually really cool. And along the way, while I was having this journey, I was also still very much struggling though with like dieting and counting macros and being very obsessive about food. Um, and I had, I hit like a rock, what I consider my rock bottom in that like I was so hyper-focused on everything, single thing that I ate that I couldn't enjoy life because I, I wouldn't want to go places with my friends if I couldn't control exactly what I was going to eat or if I was going to miss a workout. And so I remember this weekend... I went to, I was married at the time and I went to a, like a family weekend with my in-laws and I packed food for the entire weekend because I did not want to eat out and I didn't want to like miscalculate what I was eating. And at this time I was like in the leanest body I had been in my adult life and I was still this worried about this. And so we went to a restaurant and I said, I stayed in the car because I, I had brought my own food that had been sitting in the car all day. It was like the sad food that's been in the car all day. <laughs> and so all of my family, their in-laws are like, why aren't you, why isn't, you know, asking my husband at the time, why wasn't I coming in? He's like, oh, she brought her own food. Like she wants to eat healthy. And he was very, I think he thought it was like a little off track, but he was very supportive. And so they were really great about it. They went in the restaurant and they asked the restaurant if I could bring my own food in, which was really nice. And the restaurant said, sure. But I was sitting there eating this like cold food that had been sitting in the car all day. Everyone else is like enjoying really amazing food. And I was like, what am I doing? Like I'm miserable. I can't enjoy this experience. I'm not eating anything that I want. And like, what is the point of all of this? And so for me, that was like a really low point that I was just like, I need to change because again, if I'm in the leanest of I've been in my adult life and I'm still that happy. It doesn't really matter. I'm never going to be happy if I keep focusing on trying to change my body. And so after that weekend, I decided like I'm not tracking macros anymore. And I just like kind of stopped cold turkey. And and it was still like a process because I was very attached to what I looked like for a really long time. But like slowly I started making changes and then I was like, oh, I gained a couple pounds and guess what? (laughs) I'm all right. Like everything's fine. And I was able to like enjoy life again. And I was like, wow, this is what living actually feels like. 
That's amazing. I could totally re- relate to that. Those feelings of like control and misery mm-hmm. at the same time. And just yeah. like kind of trying to convince yourself that you're happy. Right. But like you're not at all. <laughs> like but- as you eat these sad foods. Yeah. <laughs> But don't you think there is sort of like some level of like happiness that when you get that compliment, and I'm not saying that this is like how we should be being happy, but like when you get that compliment or you take that photo of yourself, those are sort of like the highs that you live for. I feel like when you're trying to exert that level of control, because that's the only reward. I mean, that is the only reward. But then the the sad part of that is, though, that like um, people were complimenting me all the time. Right. And I still didn't feel good in my own body. So ultimately, like now at a time like my body is probably like 20 pounds heavier than it was then. And I probably get less people that are like uh, speaking specifically to like my physique. Um, But I don't care about those things anymore because I realized that those things never made me happy anyways. And they were very short lived. Right. And those compliments and ultimately like also it's like if you don't have a place of like not even just self-acceptance, but if you don't love yourself for who you are, it doesn't really matter what other people say to you. Right. Because they can say all the things in the world. And I was still like, oh, I just need to lose five more pounds. It was always something else. Um, and so I think I convinced myself that that's why I cared. But then ultimately, uh, why does it really matter what other people think about us? Right. It doesn't really matter. And yeah, you're living for external reasons and you right. can never really, really feel that. Internally. No. Like, if somebody gives you a compliment, you're like, oh, stop. Like, it's fine. You know, you, you yeah. accept it. It's not real. And you, you, what I, I hit the, I hit the exact same wall and it's almost like you just really have to like accept where you are now and not keep trying to change it. Right. That's kind of when you start, the ball starts rolling in the right direction. Absolutely. You know how in the body positivity movement, the goal, the sort of stated goal seems to be to learn to love your body. Mm-hmm. I sort of wonder if that is is still a little bit misguided because you're still inherently focusing on your body in that equation. And so you seem to have made, you know, like a really strong transition. Do you feel that what you've achieved is loving your body or do you just feel that you've deprioritized your your focus on your body as what gives you your own value. Yeah. I don't uh, really think that I think of like, you know, I think with the whole, with body positivity, like there's a, there's a lot to it. Right. So I think for one, the advice, like just love your body. I don't really think that's helpful advice a lot of times because if you're in a place of self-hate, someone's saying, just love your body. Like, okay, cool. How am I going to do that? Right. Um, so that's one thing. It's a big jump, right? For someone who really does not like what they look at and they see in the mirror, just to jump to like, love yourself. Mm, probably not the first step. Like, can we get to a place of neutrality first, right? Maybe we can just be like, yes, I don't look at lo- look in the mirror and love everything I, I see, but can I look in the mirror and show myself compassion? Can I talk to myself the way I talk to my friends? Because most of us look in the mirror and say things to ourselves. You'd never say to your friend. You'd never say to your children. You'd never say to your partner. So can I start to treat myself with compassion and kindness instead of disdain and hate for one? Um, and then eventually, yes, can I get to a place of, and when I say, do I love my body? I I don't even think of my body as like, oh, I love every, I love everything. There's things in the mirror that I I don't look at. I'm like, wow, I really love that. But for me, it's like liberation is, is not about because I love everything I see in the mirror. Liberation is because I understand that my, at my essence, I'm more than the body, right? The body doesn't make me who I am. Again, 
uh, there's someone on Instagram, I think her name is Stephanie Chenard. Uh, she does graphic design uh, pictures and she said this body is just the keeper of my magic, right? So if I can get to the point that this body doesn't make me who I am, it's just what allows me to have this human experience. So that's what liberation looks like for me, that I recognize I'm so much more than this body and that this body doesn't have any determination of my worth or my value in the world. Yeah. You know, I totally agree and think that's like an amazing, you know, way to view the world. How did you start to filter out messages that contradict that or that set you back? Uh, You know, I think... The thing about social media, and you know, we see a lot of this like content being put out on social media. And I think for myself personally... Social media is really powerful. I love social media. It allows me to connect with a lot of people that I never would have been able to connect with and share information in ways that wouldn't probably be possible otherwise. I also think, though, as consumers of social media, it's really important that we analyze everything we hear. And I think there's things that you can say on social media that sound really great. And when you really think about, like, what does that message actually mean? You're like, that doesn't mean anything, actually, right? So I'm a thinker. I've always been that way. And so I always... Um, you know, even when I'm reading books, right? Like I think there are authors that I really love and I don't read the book and think everything in their book is true or applicable to me. And so I always take the grocery store approach to everything. For where I am right now, is this information helpful to me? Does it resonate with me? Is it something that I can, does it inspire me? Is it something that's practical for me? And if it's not, then I just leave it behind because it's not for me. And I think that when you're on a journey in life, whether it be with your body or with anything, you know, you can read a book now and some things resonate. In five years, things resonate with you completely different because you've grown as a person. And so I just think, you know, especially when, if you're, if you're consuming messages and you walk away from them feeling bad in any way, shape or form, then it's not the message for you, right? And I think especially when we start talking about like, just love your body. If you, if you get that information and you're like, now I feel worse about myself because I don't even know how to love my body. I'm just a failure all the way around. Then I say like, that content's not for you don't consume that content right now. And that's how I always, you know, I always, uh, for myself, that's how I do. Like I consume things that are helpful for me. And if they're not helpful for me, I put them aside. Doesn't mean it's bad content. Maybe it's just not for me right now. It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Smalls. Smalls cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some to my friend who is fostering kittens and it is the only thing they will eat. It comes in these pate packages and you scoop it and you just feel like you're a chef for your baby kitties and they j'adore it. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce. After switching it up to Smalls, 90% of cat owners reported overall health improvements. That's major. The team at Smalls is so confident your cat will love their product that you can try it risk-free. That means they'll completely refund you if your picky cat won't eat their food. Now is the time to make the switch to Smalls. Head to smalls.com DST and use promo code DST at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use my code DST for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code DST for 50% off your first order plus free shipping, baby. 
So speaking on like liberation and anti-diet culture, um, you created a hashtag called Take Up Space. Can you explain the meaning of it? I think that was part of that um, post that you had. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I started talking about Take Up Space a couple of years ago. Um, and the reason being, I, I mean, I, I think as women and I talked, I, I feel like I speak to women, but I speak to anybody who identifies as women. But that's who I write for. But anybody who resonates with it is for you. But when I think about myself, um, as a black woman growing up, I always had this, um, I always had this idea that like, you know, respectability politics, I need to be liked, I need to make sure that I'm not coming off uh, to what would be perceived as too angry for some people. And so I always felt like I was living in containers, right? Like I was keeping myself in this very particular box because I wanted to be presentable and likable to the world. And that meant silencing myself in certain situations, right? I think for as women, that means like, especially I worked in the corporate world for 10 years, right? And not saying things that um, maybe I wanted to say at certain times or um, shrinking myself for the comfort of other people. I think women do that in general, right? We want other people to feel comfortable. And so we dim our own light. We don't feel comfortable like owning how brilliant we are, you know, we take, you know, we talk about someone giving you a compliment. You're like, oh, it's no big deal. Instead of being like, yeah, hell yeah, I did that. And it was amazing. Right. And so I was just like, you know what? I don't want to live like that anymore. I want to take up space in all areas of my life because I belong at, you know, wherever opportunities I am or whatever I'm spaces I'm in, it's because I belong there. It wasn't by accident that I'm here and where I am. And so I just think I want myself, I want other women to just really feel comfortable taking up space in the workplace, taking up space in their lives, taking up space um, in their personal circles, um, and just owning who they are unapologetically, um, and never feeling like we have to comfort or shrink ourselves for the comfort of other people or dim our light. There's enough for everyone to shine. I'm a really big believer in abundance. And so I don't think that other women excelling and doing well has any negative impact on me. We can all excel. We can all do well. We can all lift each other up. Um, so I'm just really into women like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm here. And I'm taking up the space because I belong to be, I deserve to be here and I belong here. Yeah, I, th I think that the concept of abundant of abundance rather than you know like a zero sum situation yeah. is something that the patriarchy has really oh. has it helped the patriarchy absolutely to keep women pitted against each other, keeping each other small, yes, and regulating ourselves. Um, I just saw, I think it was on, on Instagram. I can't remember. Someone is writing a book about like white male mediocrity and mm. how it has been such a threat. Yeah, and I think because white men have never been afraid to take up space. Whereas no. women, yeah, have black women, especially have always been extremely afraid to take up space and always felt like you said, like you have to take, you have to live in a container. Right. And I think that it's no coincidence that the world has landed in the situation it is because of male mediocre leadership. Oh, absolutely. I, I have a podcast with a friend and one of the things we always say that like, and we would just say to each other, we say on the podcast, I'm like, listen, I'm going to do this with the confidence of a thousand white men because <laughs> I feel like, like nobody has confidence, like mediocre white men, like, right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. and like good for them for having that confidence, but also we need to have that same kind of confidence. Right. Definitely. For them, but also like when they're, that confidence is threatened. Oh yeah. That's when we are like pushed aside immediately. Absolutely. And then we're supposed to fight with each other. Yes. <laughs> about 100%. who gets that space right next who to Who gets them, that little right bit of space, them. right? Yeah. 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 And, and that's what happened. I mean, in, and to your point about like what's happening in the world right now, that is a very big part of it, right? Like when someone who has been in positions of power and dominance for so long, start to feel like that's getting threatened in some way. 
um, then yeah, you end up in a situation like we're in and, and that's a big part of it. Definitely. So you recently wrote uh, an article for shape.com, which is about being a black body positive female trainer in an industry that's predominantly thin and white. Can you talk about that? Um, sure. Like at first off, I was so excited to write that article because again, uh, I've been talking about these things for like years. And when I first was talking about, I wrote an article for just my own website like three years ago and it was called is fitness only for thin white women. And I wrote that because I was working in the fitness industry and a mainstream fitness only celebrates thin white women. So I was like, what's this about? And, and what really prompted me to write that article is because I was creating like some graphics for something. And I just went to Google to find like movements of women doing exercises and everything that came up were white women that were thin. There was like no black women represented. There was like, like maybe like maybe one Asian person, like there was just very little representation. And I was like, well, this is a problem. Um, so that's what prompted me to write that article three years ago. Um, and so, you know, I had just started writing. No one was reading anything that I wrote. No one knew who I was, which is great. And then now to be able to write about this similar topic three years ago for shape is like a full circle moment. I mean, and unfortunately, it's still very much the same way in some ways. I think there has been some improvement, um, but it's still kind of the same way in, in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that overall mainstream fitness um, just doesn't do a good job at representation, at diversity and inclusion, at equity. Um, I think now, finally, people are starting to talk about these issues a little bit more than they were, but the industry in general just doesn't do a great job at elevating the voices and amplifying the voices of not just like black and brown women, but also just making an industry that really feels representative of all the people that work out. And that includes the LGBTQIA community, people of color, uh, fitness is for everyone. And we talk about the benefits of wellness. Those benefits don't extend to just a certain group of people. In order for people to feel welcome and comfortable going into spaces, they need to see themselves represented in those spaces. And also, um, as it pertains to like anti-racism, Racism is a public health issue. There are actual like detrimental effects of racism on health. And so these are things we have to be talking about within the wellness industry. At what point do you think the, the sort of like boutique or like, you know, upscale fitness industry becomes like actually culpable for the health disparities of, of black and white people because of their lack of inclusivity? I mean, I think it's, I just think, you know, when we're, especially when we're talking about the boutique and like that very particular type of fitness, I think, um, you know, if you're running a, a gym or a, a space that is very elitist, right, that's uber expensive, that the average person can't come into and either feel welcome in, be able to afford, feel like, like, like the program was created with them in mind. Um, you're just alienating large groups of people. And I think the other part when we talk about, you know, body positive fitness trainers is when you go into spaces and all the trainers have a very particular type of body, right? Uh, that if you don't have that type of body, you don't feel, and, and if they don't, if you don't have that type of body and no one in the space looks like you at all in terms of race or ethnicity, you're like, I don't even think I belong here. And I think there's this idea within fitness that, a problematic idea within fitness is that, and ties into diet culture, is that the reason you have to be going to the gym is to lose weight. And that's simply not true. And so as you know, a couple of people in the article pointed out, maybe you want to go to the gym because you like moving your body, because it feels good, because it's enjoyable. Um, and if you're going into spaces where you're feeling like you're inadequate or you're not enough, or people are giving you props because 
you know, you're in a larger body um, and you're working out and all of a sudden you're like a brave person. Like you're getting comments like that. And you're like, how am I brave? I'm just working out <laughs> just like you are. What are you talking about? And those are the things that you're experiencing. You may not want to go back to spaces like that. I, you know, I was at a gym recently before COVID, so maybe not that recently, but I was having a conversation with a woman and she, um, we were doing a bodybuilding class together. She's like, you know, I had stopped going to the gym for two years because I had a trainer and he kept trying to make me lose weight and I didn't want to lose weight. I just wanted to work out. She's like, so I thought that like, I guess I can't be involved in physical fitness if I can't find someone who's just okay with me liking my body like it is and just want to work out. I think but- it also has to do with like, the a lot of fitness white fitness instructors the really really jacked ones they make you focus on the outside it's the same thing like what you maybe we should maybe we should equip ourselves with what our goals can be that aren't that aren't that aren't like external or what we should look like or having a six-pack you know what i mean like can i have a six-pack inside i don't care if it shows right (laughs) You know, and I think that's also part of like the, the problem. We all have a six pack inside. We all have a six, right? We all have a six pack <laughs> like, inside. I may never see it in this lifetime, but it's there. <laughs> right? there. Yeah. yeah, a stronger one, maybe. A for stronger me. one, right? And <laughs> I'd like to hold myself up. <laughs> exactly. Like your core strength is very important, and every you know. And I just think also that's part of like the overall one of the overall arching problems with the fitness industry in general is though that we mark, not we, but the fitness industry markets to people under this idea of guys, if you're not enough and you need my services so that you can get that summer body because as you are, it's not okay. And that's what keeps people coming back and buying more programs and doing more training because they're forever seeking this ideal body. Um, And the fitness industry perpetuates that. And that's why it's a multi-billion dollar industry because as long as you can keep people thinking they're not enough, they're going to keep coming back for more. Yeah, it I mean, I put this on Instagram the other day, but like now I'm the more I think about it, I even believe it more. I really feel like the economy is being kept afloat by the purchasing power of women's insecurities. 100%. Like, oh, yeah. like the beauty industry, Absolutely. the diet yeah. industry, yes. like literally any any Anything type of status slimming. related. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely it, created to tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> To all of the industries, yeah. <laughs> I think about just what you were saying about the type of spaces people are creating. I think about even like what are some of the what some of the language that instructors will use mm-hmm. during a class to motivate you, like oh, you're gonna look good this weekend, or like you have to like okay. get it over with so you can like have your weekend. It's like okay, well, what if this is in? What if I do this because I just like it? And I wonder if if COVID has actually been, I don't want to say that it's been good because it's obviously destroyed a lot of businesses, but I do think that it has opened up opportunities for people to follow individual instructors. So that way you, and directly pay those individuals so that you can like know what you're getting. Like, am I okay being involved with paying this person? Because I know that the language they use and the values they have in their workouts are aligned with mine. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things I I did a post about this at the beginning of COVID because I was upset (laughs) with a lot of people that I was seeing in the fitness industry initially talking about like, don't gain the COVID-15. And I was like, y'all, that is disgusting marketing. That's really, really gross. We're in a pandemic. Like if that's, if that's, and for me, like if that's the only way you can get clients, like, yo, you need to do a whole lot of work on other things, right? Because there's guilt and shame for me are never part of the process. Um, but one of the, to your point, I think now that we've been in this situation with COVID for so long, which yes, is a horrible situation for all the reasons. 
Um, but yeah, you see a lot of people individually doing their own classes. Um, and, and then yes, you're supporting those people directly. You're not supporting a corporation and you know what you're going to get, you're, you're getting yourself into. So yeah, I think that has been, I guess, a benefit in a really bad situation. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always find the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And they're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life. So it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N U U L Y dot com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. I wanted to quickly just switch gears and talk about something like kind of blending the two conversations. Um, earlier, we were talking about body positivity, and m- my personal journey with it is where I'm currently at is kind of like facing the, I looked within and I asked why, why can't I love myself right now? What is the real reason? And the answer is just like fat phobia, like just go streaming through my blood, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, being afraid of being fat. Just, 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 that's just, it's my aura, right? Or was, um, I just want to, and that's obviously really, really ingrained in the fitness industry. Like, as we were just saying, I was wondering, could you talk about how fat phobia is maybe connected to racism? Because there's definitely a history there. Um, absolutely. <laughs> there's a very, so first off, um, I think it's really amazing that like you've come to this realization about fat phobia and around, because I think that's a big part of most of our stories with our bodies, right? Is that we have this really underlying uh, fear of being fat and we have uh, a lot of ideas about what that means. And so much of it, most of it is because of our conditioning and what we've been told. Right. Um, and so yeah, the history of fat phobia and racism go hand in hand. Um, so two things I would say is if you're listening to this and you're like, I want to learn more, there's two books I would recommend first off, one of them being Anti-Diet, um, which basically just talks about all of these things, it talks about fat phobia, diet culture. It's really based in science and research. So um, there's lots of studies. So I'd recommend that. The second book I'd recommend is Fearing the Black Body. Um, and Fearing the Black Body talks exactly about how racism (laughs) directly correlates to how we think about fatness and how it ties into, uh, I don't even like to use the word obesity, but this idea, I'm I'm air quotes, this idea of obesity, 
was directly related to the history of slavery in this country. Um, and that this idea of portraying larger bodies as something that was wrong um, was a part of racism and uh, denigrating black people in this country. So all of these things. So when we talk about like white supremacy, like all of these things are so intricately tied to each other. And our ideas about people's bodies are so tied to white supremacy and racism. Right. And we were told like through media, through everything, what is normal, quote unquote, and everything else is not including not fat bodies. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes with everything you're saying about taking up space. Right. Um, that's what we're technically afraid to do. Like even even just sitting down, I, I like I, I have this feeling of just like, oh, how physically how much space am I just taking up in my chair? Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, I'm scared to sit here. I went to um, I went to a beach like hotel uh, hotel that was on the beach. And I noticed and this this like on, I, know, I would have never noticed this before had I not been going through all of this. But I noticed there were these, it was like hotels trying to be chic. And so they had these like thin beach chairs on the beach, like really just. like thin plastic just trying to be quote-unquote chic right and there was this larger woman laying next to the chair on her towel and I was I got so enraged I was like this is fucked up like this girl can't she paid for this hotel she can't lay on this beach chair they should do everything in their power to make sure that she's accommodated do you know what i mean and it's just like this kind of shit is just everywhere and i i don't know it's just the the whole taking up space it really just it pisses me off on a skinny ass beach chair like like <laughs> I, but i was thinking about myself i was like well i fit on that chair now i'm scared to even go like how much you know I like, want, good- like a large plush beach chair yeah and i think that's the other piece of this is like you know um you know i think body positivity can be helpful for people in some ways and maybe it's helpful for people on their way to um just what i think is more important topics i think body positivity can be like a stopping point but I think we really have to always come back to the fact that, you know, like we talk about, like, love your body. Like, yeah, that's cool. It's important. I want you to, like, be liberated in your body. However, we also have to take this a further, like, a lot of steps further to the point that we are demanding justice for people in all bodies, recognizing that even if I have a quote unquote larger body, like I'm outside of the mainstream, right? Like I'm still not negatively impacted by fat phobia because there are actual systemic problems with this country as it pertains to people in larger bodies you just made up you're not made up you just told your example about the beach chair but then think about like things like airplanes right like airplanes aren't designed for people outside of the norm and and nobody questions that right like that's actually not okay and so for me it's like yes body positivity but like more than that how are we demanding justice for people in all bodies and that systemic things be changed for people who don't look like us and and that we actually are having conversations with people that are different than us because maybe you never thought about an airplane seat because you never had to that's not a problem for you right and so that's just one example there's so many things you start talking about people trans and people and you're like oh yeah like if they don't have gender neutral bathrooms at a place like how 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 inconvenient not even inconvenient 
the inconvenience is not the right word. How is it, how hard is it to navigate in the world as a trans person if there's no gender neutral bathrooms, right? And when you're not in that body, those are things you don't have, that's a privilege of not having to think about those things. But this is why the conversation has to go beyond just like, how do I feel? How is, what is the injustices actually in the world? And how are we collectively working to change those things, even when they don't affect me personally? And Audrey Lorde, one of my favorite feminists said, basically like our chain, like I'm not free. Our liberation is bound in each other, right? So I'm not free while any woman is unfree, even when the chains are different. So even we have different issues, liberation, our liberation is bound in each other. It's so true. And I think it, you know, there's so many ways that all this oppression and it's also invisible. Like we, you don't, many times we can't even see it the bathroom and the beach chair, we're able to see those things. But what about like the fact that black women and trans people receive worse healthcare than let's just say white, able-bodied people. We don't even get to see that. And you can really only arrive at that through like statistical analysis and like who's funding the statistical analysis, who has the money for that. Usually, you know, white male research run research institutions. So if their priorities are not in place, then who's, going to even bring these issues up. But yeah, I mean, and it, and what's so infuriating is something you said before that like, it's all just made up. Like it was all just, these people got power first and then they kept it. And that's it really. And it's just made up. Like it doesn't, it's not based on some like ordained hierarchy. Yeah. And, and to, to add to your point, what you're saying um, about, yeah, like healthcare, you know, black women, black maternal death rate, like black women die at two to three rates at times of white women from pregnancy and pregnancy related complications, right? Like we actually have statistics on that. We know that. And to your point, though, you know, we think about all the things that are happening right now with police brutality and things that are happening with, you know, because people are filming racism now, right? And so people are being held accountable in a certain regard, not even enough, but only because people are filming it. So always take that a step further and say, okay, so this is what's happening when people are filming it. What's happening behind the scenes, right? What's happening at corporations where uh, people that are in power are, are, are racist, right? Like those are the things that we don't even, we can't even put um, a number to or a name to. And if people are engaging in this type of behavior, with, a, with when they're being filmed, like what's happening behind the scenes. And we talk, I always talk about things like the industrial prison complex. I can't even imagine how people that are in jail are being treated, right? Because if this is how people on the streets are being treated by police officers, who, what, what's happening behind the scenes? And I mean, what's so frustrating or I don't, frustrating doesn't angering, like enraging about the something like the prison industrial complex is that that is really the purpose of it is to put money in certain people's pockets, but their stated justification is that this is quote unquote justice and America is mm-hmm. the most quote unquote just country in the world. And it's yeah. all just like a giant scam. Yeah. I mean, you know, I encourage people again, we're getting really deep here, but I encourage people to read the book, the new Jim Crow laws um, because because the industrial prison complex literally replaced slavery, right? Like the thing is slavery had to end because there was so much pressure for slavery to end, right? But slavery didn't end and like, oh, now there's justice. No, they're like, okay, this system is really beneficial to us. So how can we now change this system in a way that's quote unquote legal, right? And you think about the industrial, there's so much money in prison industry. There are so many companies that use prison labor, paying people 13 cents an hour. 
it, it's the new slavery. It is slavery, right? And so, again, I, I just really encourage people, if you're not thinking about these things or have never thought about these things, read the book, The New Jim Crow Law. Also, watch the documentary, The 13th, yeah. on Netflix. Yeah. Watch that, and you'll start to, to understand, again, not only like how deeply ingrained all this stuff is in our society, but you'll also understand like why people are so black people are so fed up with what's happening is because it's insidious and it's everywhere. Yeah. Just even like thinking logically, okay, you have all these people who fight a war so that they could keep slavery. You right. think after they lose, they're just going to be like, okay, fine. You've won. We give up now. It's like, over. Yeah. No, they Never mind. <laughs> they obviously thought it was right. They cared enough to literally fight a war for it. So you think they're, they're not going to, they're obviously going to find some workaround so that they yes. can. <laughs> they're like, oh, we lost dominant. now. Okay. Right. Like, no. Yeah. And especially, and there's evidence of it. They literally are like freaking out that, you know, they want their Confederate flags. Like, yeah, clearly they don't see anything wrong with the Confederacy. It's 400 so, years later and people are still touting their Confederate flags around, right? Like, yeah. that's the real evidence of where we are with that whole right. issue. Yeah. Exactly. And the fact that, like, we have Confederate statues up all over the United States celebrating people who were overtly racist right and like people are like no don't take those statues down it's like again i just i think it's this weird american thing because i can't think of any other country that does this like we do but in germany there are no statues of hitler right like we don't celebrate the oppressor but in america we're like we need this, this is our history yeah they like romanticize the history yeah, of like right. this, like but yeah statues are not history though statues no. are statues like some guy fucking carved that like right. of, of like himself yeah, yeah, like, right yeah it's a state it's a statement of values not a statement of history like if right. you want history make a museum like yeah it turns auschwitz into into a museum and right. like yeah i mean it's they, it's just a lie. It's just a more of the scam. We, you know, we're we're doing it for our history because we're the best country in the world and we're exceptional and we spread democracy. <laughs> Meanwhile, we just spent the past twenty years like fucking up the whole Middle East with our spreading democracy. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's all the problem with America is that we, not we, Americans have this desire to really romanticize uh, the history of this country, right? Like, you know, we just had Juneteenth Day and. And I always say, like, I don't celebrate the 4th of July because I was not free. My ancestors weren't free on the 4th of July, right? We were very much opposite of free. And, and so, you know, when we talk about American history, we like to romanticize it um, as this, like, beautiful story of, like, these people came over and, like, did this cool thing and created this country and we fought for our freedom. And, like... No, no. People came over and stole this <laughs> land from people who already lived here and they took colonized the land and then they went to Africa and stole people to come here and build this country for free. And then they got really wealthy because of that. That like that's the actual history of this country. And you know, people talk about Chris I'm like, why are we even I don't celebrate Christopher Columbus Day either, right? This Indigenous People's Day. I'm like, Christopher Columbus was a murderer and a thief, like and a rapist. I mean, people are probably gonna get mad when they hear this. I'm sorry, but like, I'm just saying, like, let's just talk about it. Christopher Columbus wasn't some hero that you cannot discover prop land that belonged to somebody. What are you talking about? <laughs> right, like, right. And he didn't they, even really discover. He didn't even it. Like, really. He discover wasn't it even anyway. there. He wasn't in America. He, right. <laughs> he thought he was going somewhere else. Also, like, he yeah. got lost. It's just so like, oh, look what he did. He discovered this. No. <laughs> yeah. So the wellness industry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, well, on that note, we have a listener email question. Yeah. Um, and Sammy, should I? I'll, I'll just should read it. it. I've been um, And then we can share our thoughts. How to okay. help this girl. Hi, guys. I'm a huge fan of the podcast and I'm truly so, so grateful for it. It made me reevaluate my relationship with food and my body and has and my body and has a really hugely positive impact in my life. But now I have a problem. A girl I went to college with and I recently became friends with her through Instagram. We found out that we were both avid gym goers and like to share workouts slash recipes with each other. At first, I really liked having someone to talk to about this stuff and really enjoyed our conversations. Unfortunately, our talks have taken on a different tone in this last couple months. This girl is hyper-focused on eating less, decreasing her body fat percentage, and being quote-unquote small. As someone who's struggled with extremely disordered eating throughout my life, I can recognize that her body image is not healthy. But at the same time, every time she sends a photo of herself flexing or showing her food for the day, I find myself feeling really, really bad about myself and questioning everything I ate and how much I worked out that day. I should also note that I am an actual foot taller than this girl, so physically I am bigger everywhere. I want to help her and give her guidance, and I have recommended her the podcast so many times, but she's just not interested. I know this relationship is having a really negative effect on my self-worth and body image, but at the same time, I feel an obligation to try and help her. How can I distance myself, but Still be a shoulder for her to cry on. Chrissy, yeah. any thoughts? <laughs> oh, yeah. I have lots of thoughts on that. Um, I'm always a really big fan of boundaries um, because I think as, as important as it is, like we all have this desire to want to be there for our friends. Um, I'm not a fan ever or proponent of sacrificing your own care or self-care uh, for the benefit of others. So I think having an honest conversation with her friend about, listen, I, this is where you are. And I really, you know, I understand, I respect that. I appreciate that. But like, it's very triggering for me personally. Um, when I'm getting and it's not when I'm getting like your know, text message or pictures about what you're eating. And I would be really clear that like, I, it's not to say that you're doing anything wrong and sending me those messages. It's that like, it, I don't, it's not good for my own mental health. And so like, I want to support you. I think we, I'd love to continue a friendship with you. I love that we have this um, mutual interest in the gym. However, like, I really would appreciate if, like, we just don't do the pictures about the food or have as much conversation about that, just because that's what's best for me. And um, I'm still here to support you as much as I can. I just don't want to, like, engage in that type of talk because it's, it's, it's not good for me. And hopefully, you know, if you're a good friend, you respect boundaries and this other person is like, okay, cool. I understand. I respect that. And if they don't, which is also a possibility, like that's okay as well. That happens sometimes. Um, but also means that 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 person's probably not in a place um, where they can like engage in a friendship in a way that's mutually beneficial because your friend putting up boundaries around what's not good for your mental health should be a thing as a friend. You'd be like, okay, I understand that. And I respect that. And I, how can I support you in, the, in your journey as well? Yeah, I think that's great advice. I totally agree. I think that there's like two parts to this. It's that what she's doing is triggering and then she wants to help the friend, but really that's not her place to really help this friend. Like you're both on different journeys. Instead, put healthy boundaries between you two. Right. And you can still do what you do. I think the kind of interesting part about it is that she recognizes this girl recognizes that the friend is do is is going doing some disordered behaviors, but every time she does send her stuff, she feels bad about herself. Right, and I find that extremely relatable because you can go through like you can do a lot of change and a lot of like work internal work, but still there can be triggers out there that can 
sends you back. Um, and I, and I think that that you just have to have to kind of remain strong in what you believe in and what, what you're, what you're working towards. Yeah. I think with body image, the thing is like body image isn't a thing where like you fixed it now and never, you have to never struggle with it again. It doesn't work like that ever. I don't think. And so it's like, even if you're in a good place with your body, yes, you will still have days where you don't feel great about yourself or things will trigger you, like seeing other pictures of people and you're like, oh, wow, I wish I looked like that. Like everybody's gonna always have those thoughts. Again, that's why the boundaries are important so that you can recognize, okay, I know this is not a good thought. Let me consume less of whatever this content is coming from because it's triggering me. To your other point about um, her friend and wanting to help her friend, like I know for myself that no matter what anybody said to me until I was ready to handle this, my own stuff, like it didn't matter. So, you know, she's recommended the podcast and like if her friend isn't listening, she's probably just not in the place where she's ready to deal with that stuff right now. And that's okay. She'll get there when she gets there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should we do some non-scale wins? Yes. This is, Chrissy, this is when we celebrate something that doesn't have to do with the scale. Um, I'll go first. Mine has to do with the scale, but not in the way that we think. <laughs> I went to I went to a gynecologist appointment for, for the, I mean, it's a yearly, whatever. And I, for the first time in my entire life, I said to the doctor or the, the nurse assistant, um, please, I don't want to know what my weight is. Can you please... Is that okay? I I was sweating thinking about this moment because I was so nervous. I was like, oh my God, she's going to judge me. She's going to think like, oh, why does, why, why would, you know, you need to know your weight. It's healthy. Like, you know, all those like things that people tell you. And she was, she's like, yeah, no problem. Just turn around. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> and I was, was just, it, it was like, I, it was like a not, it was a non deal. It was nothing. It was, it was, like just being like, how, how are you? Like that was, that was what it was like. And I felt like the relief, like I feel like my blood pressure was lower after when she checked it. Like I was just, <laughs> it went well, anyway, that was my non-scale scale win. So that's <laughs> awesome. Great. Yeah. Um, what were your um, guys's? So, okay. I could go. Um, mine is that so, you know, a few weeks ago when I said I had my first experience of like seeing someone on Instagram and feel like for the first time I wasn't like envious of their thinness, um, which is a big, just Chrissy for context. That's a, you know, kind of a big deal. <laughs> I had my second experience of that. I saw a photo of, I don't want to call out the person, but an actress and her legs were like these little sticks that I had honestly always kind of wanted. But when I saw them, like, I was kind of like, oh, you look like you're going to fall over. And that was sort of my initial reaction to them instead of like, I want that. Um, so that was exciting. Right. It, uh, yeah. That's great. Not emotional. I love that. Yeah. Chrissy, what's um, yours? What's mine? So I talked a little bit earlier about how I used to be um, very much of an over-exerciser to the fact that like I would put off all social plans so that I didn't miss the gym. And um, my, so my win is that over the past, I mean, I, I fixed that relationship a long time ago, but like, I still was very much a person that was like, I need, I need to go to the gym three days a week or I have to go to the gym. I don't know. It was just like a part of my life. But in the last month I've been really busy with um, a lot of exciting projects and um, I haven't worked out nearly as much as I used to. And so today or yesterday... I worked out for like the first time in three weeks. And so my, the win is that one, I worked out, which was, it felt great. But like also that I had no judgment about the fact that I haven't worked out in three weeks. I was just like, yeah, I was busy doing other things. And now today I have time, so I'm going to work out. So that was it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. 
Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> what did you do when you worked out? I just did a kettlebell workout. And I'm, I'm at home, so I don't have that much equipment. I have like two sets of dumbbells and a kettlebell. So I did a like a little circuit with kettlebell swings and push-ups for like 15, 20 minutes. And it was good. That's great. Just get the blood flowing. Got the blood flowing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. thank you so, so much for joining us. Where can people follow you? I know you have a webinar that people can sign up for and check out. Absolutely. So you can follow me on Instagram at I am Chrissy King. Um, and yes, I have a webinar called Anti-Racism for Wellness Professionals. So um, it goes over a lot of the things we talked about today, but a lot more detail about how to just be a part of the solution and not part of the problem within the wellness industry. And again, why this is something as wellness professionals we need to talk about and some practical application tips and tools. So you can find that um, um, at the link in my bio and Instagram. And then my website is chrissyking.com. And yeah, I'm also hanging out on Instagram these days though. So definitely follow me there. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing. Thanks so much for joining us today. I love this conversation. <laughs> we yeah. Thank you both for having me. It was a great conversation. I've yeah. had a great time chatting with y'all. Yeah, yeah. Us too. And everyone, please go rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, share it on your Instagram, email us, dsdatbetches.com. DM us at Aileen, at Sammy, at Diet Starts Tomorrow. <laughs> and just t- ask us any advice you want us to share. Do a dear, Send us a dear DST um, and share your stories. So thanks so much, guys. And finally, we're always with you through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is hosted by Aileen Cooperman and Sammy Fishbein. Our editor is Sean Kilby. Our podcast producers are Mike Coscarelli, Sean Kilby, and Carly Rice. And artwork is by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram and email your questions and non-scale wins to dst at betches.com. Betches.